Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays. And same game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and Bet Live. Same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer. Is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC Pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Alrighty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson Stremski. We are rocking and rolling right here on the Ringer Podcast Network and humble pie for yours truly. Humble pie for the New York Yankees starting off the second half of the year with a pretty big damn slap in the face from the Houston Astros. That's the only way you can look at this, folks. You could try to spin this. You could try to sugarcoat this. Any which way you'd like, and I get it. First game after the All-Star break, wonky doubleheader on the road. That's all well and good, but the narrative remains the same. The Yankees can't win in Houston. They can't win at Minute Maid Park, and 
outside of a meaningless three-run homer from Aaron Judge when the Yankees were down five runs in the ninth inning, they can't hit at Minute Maid Park. That's alarming. That's concerning. Is that to say that the Astros are a foregone conclusion to win the American League? Of course not. A July series and head-to-head matchups within the regular season do not define October, but I think going in, if you're being objective, if you're being fair, if the Yankees match up right here and right now with the Houston Astros in an American League Championship Series, I don't care where the series is being played, you'd have to make the Astros a slight favorite. How could you not? They beat the Yankees in 17. They beat the Yankees in 19. Altuve torments them. Other guys up and down the lineup. Alvarez, Bregman, you give me the guy. They torment the New York Yankees. And on the flip side, the Yankees don't hit the Astros. We're being real about this. The Yankees got to show you as good a year as they have had. It's been a marvelous year. So many things have gone right. They've been such a pleasure to watch. And they're a really good team. A really, really, really good team. But in order for them to get to the top of the mountain, to be celebrating a parade down the Canyon of Heroes where I am getting beer poured on me, where I'm bringing bubbly down the Broadway and Center Street and my normal drive from the Brooklyn Bridge and SNY. Trust me, I want to sleep at SNY, roll out of bed, get the Yankee fitted on, pour champagne all over my head, and enjoy a parade. Because you know what? The last parade I went to, I was a little kid. I didn't get to enjoy 2009 because I was in Syracuse. Then I had to go to Pittsburgh. And I'm itching for a parade. Yankee fans are itching for a parade. We all know that. In order to get that visual, champagne on me, cigar in my mouth, standing up on a lamppost, the Yankees got to beat the Astros. Now, here's my caveat to everything that I saw today. If the Yankees had swept this doubleheader, it would put you at ease. It would clearly give you confidence. However, it wouldn't answer the question of can the Yankees in October take down a team that is on them. That question was going to remain regardless of regular season success. That's a positive. Another positive is that the Yankees barely, still barely right about now, have the edge for home field advantage, but they're not going to have a tiebreaker. That's a problem. And the Astros went 5-2 and two against them in the regular season. So if they're tied with the same record, the Astros will be hosting the American League playoffs and the Yankees would have to, dare I say, win a game six or win a game seven in Houston, which would be problematic. And I would not like their chances of doing so. As good as they are, for as well as they've played, would not like their chances of doing so. And I didn't like today the lack of a sense of urgency with these particular games. I mean, why is Stanton not playing the first game in a doubleheader? Why is DJ LeMayu and Anthony Rizzo not playing the second game in a doubleheader? And then why is Domingo Herman? who has not thrown a pitch all damn year. Why, why is he starting against the Astros? You want to tell me you want to get Herman in the rotation? You want to give him a start? You want to get him going? Fine. Start him against the Orioles. Don't start him in Houston against the damn Astros, for goodness sakes. I don't know whose genius idea that was, but that was a colossal fail, and that was a big mistake. If you're looking for another positive, though, from a Yankee perspective, I got one for you. It has nothing to do with these two games that you saw today. 
close loss in game one, 7-5 loss in game two. Game one, the game's going to bother you more because bases loaded, nobody out there don't score. Then you get the dramatic IKF hit. Great move by Aaron Boone, might I add, sending him up for Gonzalez as opposed to sending up Donaldson. Playing for contact worked out. They don't win. LeMay doesn't get a hit, and they end up losing, of course, on the walk-off single. That game was far more gettable than the second game, in my opinion. But you want a silver lining for these games? This should be a wake-up call. Not that this general manager needed it, because I think we all are aware of what the stakes are for the New York Yankees. With the year that they have had, it's it's World Series or bust. You got to, at the very least, get to the World Series, and the Houston Astros are standing in your way. I think this should be, hey, cold water in the face, waking up the Yankee front office and brass to the point of, we got to be aggressive at the deadline. And if that means Castillo, so be it. If that means outfielder, so be it. I know a lot of people are going to make the argument, oh, JJ, now go get Juan Soto. Go give up your entire farm system for Juan Soto. You tell me Juan Soto's a Yankee, I'm going to be dancing. I do think that there would be some interesting conversations that need to be had. But the way I look at Soto is if you ever got him, you got him for two and a half years. Don't even worry about what's going to happen when he's a free agent. You cross that bridge and you get to it. But I don't think the Yankees are trading for one Soto. This my gut feel. Just my personal take. I think they know what's coming up down the line with Aaron Judge. But it's all in time for the Yankees. They got to go and get that guy. I think it's Castillo. That is the guy I am moving a lot of my chips in the middle of the table for to go and get. Although... Don't sleep on the Yankees getting another outfield back. And as much as I like Carpenter, and as much as I want to see Carpenter play more, those defensive shortcomings, you can see it. Yankees want to prioritize defense. So if that means Hap is there, if that means Benintendi is there, even with the nonsense going on with the vaccine in Toronto, I still would get him. Work to do for Brian Cashman on this roster. Obvious after these games against the Astros. Wake-up call. You think the Yankees are coasting and waltzing into a World Series? I mean, if you thought that, you got another thing coming. It's been a fun, re- fun year, magical year. Joyride. Absolute joyride. This is reality. This is the team you're going to have to beat if you want to get to the World Series. And I think it behooves the Yankees to look at the last two months and say, we need to make sure we are playing Game 6 and Game 7 of a potential ALCS in the Bronx and not at Minute Maid Park. So, not a great Thursday for the Yankees. The New York Mets get ready for a pretty big series of their own. The Mets now, over the next five games, they have a very interesting test. It's three against a playoff caliber San Diego Padres team. A team, might I add, the Mets are better than. But the Padres will come in here Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then the stage, of course, is set for the Subway Series Tuesday and Wednesday. There's a lot of drama currently around the Grom. And we talked about this on our Spotify Live. Had a little bit of a setback. Seems that everything's okay. But anytime you hear setback and the Grom in the same sentence, it's going to scare the crap out of you. This is not your average athlete. This is a guy who has not pitched now in a full calendar year. So if I hear setback as he's trying to get himself back on a big league mound, pitching in games that matter, that scares the crap out of me if I'm a Met fan. I'm not, I'm not trying to be uh, Mr. Drama King or Drama Queen, whatever the hell you want to call it. That's, and I saw a couple of those tweets when I did my SNY hit the other day. JJ, oh, just trying to be an alarmist. No, I'm, I'm trying to be a realist. I'm trying to be a realist. 
Because you need the Gronk. You want to win a championship. Your hope to winning a championship, it's Scherzer and DeGrom getting you there. The way Kurt Schilling and Randy Johnson got the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks to a championship. Or the way Scherzer and Steven Strasburg pitched the Nationals to a championship. The Mets need that hammer one-two punch. Like, Mets going to be a playoff team. The second half of this year and the final two months are going to determine, are they a division champ? Or are they playing in a best of three and they lose out on first place to the Atlanta Braves? The Mets have not been great against the big-time team. They've been okay. They've done exactly what good teams are supposed to do. They've beaten up on bad teams, and they've been so-so against the good teams. Well, these are two good teams, one good team and one great team, potentially, in the Padres and the Yankees. I want to see what the Mets have made of. We know the needs. They did not score at all in that Chicago series. Designated hitters are going to be mentioned a ton. Is it Josh Bell? Is it Trey Mancini? Is it possible the Red Sox pull out of contention and J.D. Martinez becomes available? There are a lot of moving parts for the Mets. And the lineup has pieces you like. They grind out at bats. They put the ball in play. That's terrific. But when you want to be a team that scores a ton of runs in the postseason, you got to hit a couple of big flies. And there's not, to me, enough pop in the Met lineup. That's why I think they need a bat who can lengthen this lineup out. I think it would make a world of difference. And, of course, a guy like David Robertson and maybe another bullpen arm would make a world of difference. Both of these general managers are going to be very, very active and should be very, very active because they have teams that are capable of winning the whole thing. I mean, you look at the Vegas odds right now. It's Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Mets, Braves in some order. To me, for my money, those are the five best teams in baseball. You can rank them any which way you like. Those are the five best teams. You're in that conversation. you got to go for it. I know everyone's going to fantasize about Soto. Soto's not coming to the Mets. Now, no chance. Do you think the Nationals, with two and a half years on Juan Soto's contract, are going to allow Juan Soto to go and torment them for the next two years? How do you sell it to your fans? You, I don't care what you get in return. You can't do it. I know if I ran a team, there's no way in hell I'm doing it. I'd say there's zero chance he ends up with the Mets by July 31st. And I would say there's like a 5 to 2% chance in that range that he ends up in the New York Yankees. But even if you don't get the generational talent, there are plenty of ways both of these teams can get better. It was a wake-up call for the Yankees. Now we'll see what the next five games are in store for the New York Mets. They're going to pass this test with flying colors, or is it going to be a wake-up call where? You say, you know what? Help is needed. You're going to hold off the Braves. You're going to win this division. You're going to be a championship team. Help is needed. And the other big piece of news, or lack thereof, it's like the Mitchell watch. And now all the folks in Utah are saying, oh, the deal's close. I, I thought maybe it was going to be today. Get used to that. There are going to be like 10 zillion tweets like that between now and whenever Donovan Mitchell gets traded. So it's like you're on high alert. It's basically like you have a pregnant wife at home who can basically, you know, pop at any time, basically. You know, no rounds of golf, no Friday nights with the boys. You're basically on, uh, you're on standby. This podcast, for all intents and purposes, might, might as well be on standby for Donovan Mitchell, which could be tomorrow, which could be next week, which could be next month. Who the hell knows? But 
Listen, I had a great, the only silver lining today. So in between games, I do the baseball show. You guys know I'm a huge Cobra Kai guy. Can't get enough. Uh, the actress, I forget, Tori is the girl's name on, on Cobra Kai. Peyton List, I think her name is fabulous. She tweets out or Instagrams that she ate at this Brooklyn restaurant. So I'm like, oh, it looks good. Where the hell was it? She does geotech. I'm like, holy shit, this is like two blocks away from where I live. I'm getting dinner here tonight. I had such a fabulous meal. I mean, I had a little vongoli with the spaghetti. I had a little chicken melanese. I had this unbelievable crab penne pasta. And now I got a new favorite restaurant in the neighborhood. So anytime you get a new favorite restaurant that you walk into because, you know, you're uh, hanging out, checking out Instagram stories, that's a win. The Yankees and their performances against the Houston Astros, whole lot of big fat L's. All right. Jimmy Duquette, who I love. I spend a lot of time with him at SNY, the former general manager of the New York Mets. He is on SNY, he does MLB Network Radio, and he's still super well-connected with the GMs around the league, with the rumors, with the rumblings, with all that stuff. Perfect time to have a former GM on. Jimmy Duquette's going to join us. We'll have a couple of voicemails. Then we'll wrap it up like we always do. We'll get you ready for the weekend. And remember, you're going to have a Jeter pod coming out at some point. We don't know when it's going to be, but it's been coming out probably early Friday morning. I know a lot of you are late to the game. You're watching the Yankees tonight. So when you watch the Jeter doc, boom, you'll have your post-game show ready to go. All right, Jimmy Duquette, SOI, former Met GM, is coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. So it's going to be a wild trade deadline. Juan Soto might be on the market. The Yankees and the Mets trying to make those tweaks to beat championship teams. We got to hear from the GM. I see him all the time on SOY. He's a broadcasting superstar. He's a good buddy of mine. The former general manager of the New York Mets, our pal, Jimmy Duquette. What's up, Jimmy D? JJ, is this JJ Radio? You need your own radio channel. I just decided this earlier Channel today. now? I was going to say, so I need an investment from Simmons. Okay. Just hire me. Bad Dog Radio has his own radio channel. We, JJ Radio, I'm in. Let me know. Hey, listen, we'll talk to the folks at Spotify. We'll get you as an investor and maybe make some magic. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of that. We got to start with Soto. That contract offer, considering the player, considering Boris, there's never a chance in hell he's going to go and take that deal. You have been in these sort of conversations in the past. What do we think the chances are between now and the deadline that Juan Soto is wearing a different uniform? Well, I, I think it's a, obviously it's a lot better chance than it was a month ago. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk that he gets traded. You know, I, I know there's there's a lot of smoke out there after this whole contract dis, uh, discussion uh, was leaked out to the media. And I don't think this came on Boris's side. I really think it came on the national side because, you know, they, they, this does not help the player. It helps uh, from a PR standpoint. It helps the team. You know, so my experience on that is like it's likely came from the nationals and, and they're going through some issues with the with ownership. Um, you know, being, uh, they're, they're, the club is for sale as we know. So, so I think that, you know, if you're a new owner, you want to know is, is that asset going to be here for the next couple of years? 
because that affects the value of the team, or do you go out and decide to make some trades? And I think that's what's tricky from a GM side of things. If you're Mike Rizzo, their GM is, you know, any player, it's going to be a, a bevy of players that you trade uh, to get back for Soto. They're not, none of them are going to equal Juan Soto ever. So you're going to lose the trade, even though it might be six players that you get because the quality that you're going to get back, even though it's going to be good, they'll never turn out to be Juan Soto. So I think that's the hard part about it. Um, and that's why I think it's, you know, it's a little more complicated. It's also, we're, we're inside of two weeks before this trade deadline is over. And so that complicates it too, um, in terms of, you know, you want to send out your scouts to see as many players as you can. And, and these are going to be primarily minor leaguers. There'll be a major leaguer probably that comes back as well. Um, and you're going to probably have to take back money like Patrick Corbin's contract, which is, you know, there's like two and a half years left at an average annual of 23 months. So th this is a complicated deal. It's, it's all, you know, a good way of saying that uh, it's not a foregone conclusion that he will be traded. But at, at the end of it, I do think they're going to make a big push, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did trade. So it's fun to speculate about the idea of Juan Soto wearing a Met uniform or a Yankee uniform, for that matter, Jimmy. He's... Yeah. To me, the best hitter in all of baseball. He's so much fun to watch. He's young. The sky's the limit, the whole deal. But, like, I put myself in the shoes of the Washington Nationals. If I'm the owner, if I'm Mike Rizzo, and the fact that Juan Soto has basically two-plus years of control still, Jim, I don't care what I'm getting from the Mets in return. The idea of that guy being in my division tormenting me and I got to be reminded of it basically every series over the course of a regular season. Jimmy, I don't care what the Mets are giving in return. I can't deal them there. I can't deal them to the Mets and I can't deal them to the Braves. It's like if you're a GM and if you're an owner, I know you guys want to get the best deal possible, but that's got to be a factor, right? You know, I think and uh, knowing a little bit about the Nationals front office and even ownership, that is the big factor. And where other general managers, maybe the younger G, uh, GMs out there, like, you know what? It really, for me, doesn't matter as long as I get back what I, what I want in return and I get back controllable talent and it's, you know, it's really good. Um, I think at the end of the day, there's so much interest. I mean, I, I was looking at this. I was writing these teams down. Not, not just the Mets and Yankees, Dodgers, White Sox, Giants, Padres, Cardinals, uh, Mariners, Rays. Like, you, you come to a dozen teams like with a snap of the finger, right? So, um, if I'm Mike Rizzo, I'm going, like you said, I don't want to see this guy help, you know, uh, somebody, even, even the Braves within my own division over the next two and a half seasons, even though they're in a rebuild situation. Um, and listen, I, I, I think we've also seen a reluctance. Remember when Max Scherzer was on the market last year and the Mets weren't even a consideration for, uh, trading Max to the Mets, um, at that time. Um, you know, so I think that there's a lot that to unravel there. And, and there's also a persistent rumor, and it was out there uh, during the, during the All-Star game when I was out there in L.A., that there's no desire to trade him to the Mets. Never mind, take out the obvious what we know. There's there's this you know, persistent rumor that just won't go away that they won't trade him uh, to the Mets. And I find it uh, unlikely that they would trade him to the Yankees, too. So I think uh, even though I expect the Mets to put a pretty you know significant package out there, I don't see, at the end of the day, uh, because of the level of interest, I don't see him trading them to the Mets. All right, Jimmy. Let's take Soto out of this for a second. It's still going to be a very intriguing trade deadline for the Mets and for the Yankees, and they have different needs. You're in that Met war room right now. Your first place team, Scherzer's back. 
you're hoping that DeGrom is going to be a factor at some point. We'll, we'll see what kind of shape he's going to be in. What is the biggest need for you? What are you banging the drum for over the next two weeks? Like, if there's a bigger priority, and I think they need both, and for what it's worth, I think they'll get both when it comes to bullpen arms and mm -hmm. it comes to another power bat. But the bigger need for the Mets for you right now, what would it be? Well, I, listen, the bat for me, after watching the latest stretch, and you watched it as well, like we, we've talked about this uh, before, you and I, but as good as their offense has been in terms of run score at top of the, on top of the league and, and run scored and how they how good they've been with runners in scoring position, runners in scoring position with two outs. We can throw those numbers out there all we want. But we saw when the offense went into this funk almost to all together that they were missing a key power bat, left-handed power bat if you could, but but let's not get too picky here. If you get a, a right-handed power bat like Nelson Cruz, Trey Mancini, somebody like that, then I'm going that route too, or you know, in, in, you know, instead of the left-handed bat, I go right-handed bat because you know when you're struggling, the, the, the key is how do you stack up in the postseason when you're facing off against good pitching? It's hard to put together three straight singles to score a run, or or have that type of, of offense. You better be able to hit a, a ball over the fence or two. And we saw that with the Braves last year. What was the biggest need that they needed? They needed offense. Well, I don't got three offensive players, right? They got Peterson, they got Solaire. Uh, you know, I can't even remember. Oh, Rosario. They get so Rosario. Well over, is that, and yeah. all those guys, and Jimmy, if they don't get right. those guys, they don't win the World Series. Point blank. No chance. No chance. Right, exactly. And and Rosario's the only one who just who, who puts the ball in play. The other ones are power guys, right? All three of them. So so they identified spots where it just takes one swing. It could be a, a, a mistake that hit, gets hit over the fence, and all of a sudden you're up two nothing, three nothing, or whatever it is. You scored two or three runs. It's hard, runs are hard to come by when you're facing other good other good pitching. So for me, that's a clear uh, issue. And you could if 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 and like you said, they're going to get a bullpen piece too. But I think you have to make the offense the priority, and then you might lump in a an arm with this with that particular trade. Uh, or you go out and, and because there's a you know always a bevy of of uh, relief pitchers available. I, that's going to be the easier one to get. You could get two right before the August second trade deadline. So I'm still putting a premium on those bats, and, and there's a couple good ones. There's not as many right now as as you would like, but there are plenty. I think that the Mets can choose from. I'll give you a team. We talked about it a couple of months ago. It looked like they'd be a seller. Then they have a great May and June. They struggled. In the AL East, they struggled against the Yankees, the Boston Red Sox. Could you see Boston as a team? If they start off the second half of the year, they go, I don't know, four and seven, five and eight. They got all these free agents at the end of the year. Martinez is the guy. I mean, he would be so perfect, Jim, for what the Mets need in the lineup. Can you see Boston potentially being a seller over the next two weeks? I mean, I, I think because the second wild card is such a factor there, uh, it's hard to see a scenario where they would be a seller. But to your point, we have seen them act this way before when they kind of view the overall landscape and they go, no, we don't stack up with the Yankees. And it's clear they don't. They don't stack up with the Astros. They really don't. You know, especially after the sale injury, you know, when he ends up having the surgery and breaking the finger like, you know, now they've gotten there and they got to the postseason last year. We, you know, so I forget that, um, you know, 
for most of the season, he didn't pitch. He came back and pitched the last five. They end up winning the wild card. They go on to the LCS. They were pretty close to going on to the World Series. So let's not forget that. So I, I think it, it's a difficult thing for them to give up on the on the season at this point. But, I, but you know, they have done that before. So I think they're a, a team. There's two teams that I think are really um, worth watching out of the gate here starting up when, uh, you know, for the second half. The Red Sox are one of them. I think the Giants are the other because they, they were kind of floundering. They're in a very difficult division in the National League. If you start, you know, adding up the teams that they're competing with for the first or second wild card, I feel like they fall back, you know, behind them. And Jock Peterson is a guy that you go, whoa, all right. He I'd fit like the Mets or the Yankees, him. Jimmy right? D. Either, either way, team, man. Either way. Right. Right. So there you go. Like JD Martinez or Jock Peterson. Sign me up for one of those for either either of those two teams. If San Francisco went in the tank, is there any way they'd put Rodone on the market? Or no, unlikely? I think so. Oh, you no, think, they, I would? think they would? Wow. I think they would. Because he's a he, you know, they now because I think he opts out at the end of this year. No, he's got an opt-out. He's got a contract, but he's got an opt-out. And I, he's had a, a good year, and he's shown that he's healthy. So I do think – I think – and listen, he can command a lot. So it, the, the tricky part with the Giants is they always have little subtle ownership. Uh, so maybe it's not so subtle anymore. But they they, they um, really um, pressure the front office to make sure that you have a you know a winning team every year. right? They, they pump a lot of money into it. Their fan base supports the team. They have a lot of revenues there. So – so it, it takes a lot for them to to you know punt the final two months of the season. So you know at the end if you're if if, if we're betting, I'm not betting on them folding here or trading those guys. But if they if they come out of the gate slow, I think Rodon is absolutely in play, and you know it would take a lot. Uh, you know, and they can always re-sign him again. But I, I think he's going to be a guy that opts out. So that's why I think they would make him available. And you know they've got. They've got relievers to, available too, but but I think Rodon is clearly Rodon and, and Jock are two premium guys that I think they could get a lot for. So Mancini, you mentioned, I thought he'd be a perfect fit for the Mets about a month ago. The the crazy thing, Jimmy D, is that you're down in Baltimore. You know this. The Orioles are a 500 team. I mean, the idea that the Orioles are 500 is so mind blowing. They've done such a great job, and you even noticed that when they played the Yankees, they lost a bunch of games, but they were in those games. They were right there, and I'm like. Something's different around that organization. So are they going to look long-term and say, hey, guess what? We're not there yet. He's a veteran piece. We keep restocking. Or is he a guy where they say, hey, he's one of the few vets we have. He's a leader for us. We need him around. We're not making him available. It's not that the Orioles are going to contend. They're not going to be able to hang on the American League and in this division. It's too good. But does this run now for the Orioles? Do you think it changes things for them when it comes to a guy like Mancini? So, I, you know, I have, um, you know, certainly asked around and talked to executives, GMs uh, about this particular thing, just just because, I, you know, I've known Mancini for a long time. My cousin was the GM when he first got brought up. Uh, we had a chance to see him in the minor league. So I've had, I've had a relationship with Trey for a while. And he, he would like to stay. He, he would like to sign with the Orioles. They don't seem to be, you know, he's in his early 30s. They don't seem to want to consider a contract extension for him at the moment. So, I and and the other aspect of that is, indi- you know, they're not giving any indication to teams currently that they're going to pause their trade uh, discussions about him and other guys that they want to move. So I think he's still out there. I still, still think he's available, even though the orders have gone on this run. You know, they went on this run 
when they played the Angels were absolutely abominable. Embarrassing. And the Cubs, and the Cubs are not much better than, you know, you got embarrassing and almost embarrassing. Like those are two teams. And so they, they went on this streak with those two playing mostly those two teams. So, and they're improved. Like you said, they are definitely better. Their pitching has been markedly better, including their bullpen. But I still think that at the end of the day, they're going to take a key guy like a Mancini and they're going to move him. But I think they're going to try to get back a piece uh, at, that will help their major league club. So I'll just throw this out there. Uh, who says no? Mancini for Don Smith. It's a great I, trade I for both teams, in my know. opinion. Right? It's I think a that's one. a great trade because you know what? Dom Smith could be a part of the Orioles' future. And at least he's been in the big leagues before where, hey, he could show these young guys the ropes. Hey, I've been there. I've had success. I don't hate that. And Dom needs a change of scenery, too. I know he's hurt. Jimmy, he needs a change of scenery with the Mets. You know, and I think if you if you look at this uh, ballpark now uh, at Camden, where they had that, that really deep left field, high wall, you know, his ability to hit the ball the other way, there's a lot of room that way. He decides to pull one down the right field line. It's a short porch in right field. Maybe not as short at Yankee Stadium, but it's pretty darn short there at right. I think this would be a really good setup. He's a left-handed bat. They have Mountcastle, who's a right-handed bat. You could do a DH first base type of situation over there. Um, and and it would work, I think, for the for the Orioles, too. You know, it, they could even it out, we, that part of it. But to me, that's an interesting one. And I think there's some there's definitely interest out there, Dom. You know, it's not just, uh, you know, on that type of deal. I've heard the Cubs have, have been interested in him. There are others. Um, so, you know, again, I, I think Dom will end up being better off going somewhere else at this point. I don't think it's going to work in New York. Jimmy, the Yankees got to be all in. They've had this unbelievable start today year. But listen, sooner or later, you get to a point where you got to push your chips in the middle of the table. And with Tyon regressing a little bit, with Severino going on the IL and Listen, I love Nesta Cortez. It was so fun to watch him at the All-Star game. But, you know, you got to wonder if the clock is going to strike midnight on him. Do you expect the Yankees to be very aggressive in the pursuit of a Castillo or a Montez or whoever one of these difference-making frontline starters could be to put alongside Garrett Cole? Do you expect Cash to be, you know, very aggressive in that pursuit? So I, I think, you know, they've been very close to the best with what they're trying to do. Understandably that, you know, they're, and they're a really good team as we've seen, but I think, and I've been saying this, you know, you and I have had these conversations both on air and off air about the Yankee rotation. I've been saying this from the day one, from day one, you kind of went through some of the concerns that I had with the rotation, even when they were going well, because Cortez is going to be on the innings pitch limit. And, you know, you have to look at this, you know, third time through the, the lineup or even the second time through the lineup when it comes to the postseason. And some of those guys will have I, they have enough question marks for me that I think that they should bolster it. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to overpay for a ro- uh, rotation. I think Castillo is a perfect fit. So is Montas. But if the price tag, which is going to be really high, gets to be to the point where the, you know they're not going to – and they have plenty of depth there. They may pivot you know, and go with an offensive piece, which they could use, obviously, as we know, in the outfield. And the thing about them is, you know, I can see a scenario where they decide to you know, piece together two rotation. You know, let's so let, let's go forward and let's say all right, Tyone and Cortez were back to back. You know, like a piggyback situation in a game three. That's not horrible. Or Severino and a Cortez, or you know, or Severino and Montgomery. Like they, I you know, there's a creative way to do it. It's not ideal. But I have seen teams navigate through a postseason um, with 
you know, rotations like what the Yankees have featured because they're so good defensively. They're so good both and wise. They're so good offensively. So, so, you know, it's not like a, well, it's a do or die situation. The Yankees need to do that or else they don't get to the world series. But I, you know, I would like to have a little bit more certainty with that rotation. And I, and I think that Castillo or Montas are the dominant type of arms that they need um, to not have to, you know, hold your breath during a postseason run. Cause I think you, think you wouldn't feel quite nearly as comfortable about the rotation, you know, as we get into October. And Jimmy, they won't trade Volpe, right? They didn't sign a big no. shortstop. They love him. He's a Jersey kid. Like if there's right. one guy they are not trading under any circumstances, it's him, right? That's correct. That's correct. And, and there should, should they? I don't think they should. You know, I think that's Peraza. They would certainly do Dominguez. They would, uh, Vol- uh Waldecek, you know, I think he would like, no, no, none of those other guys, I don't think are going to hold up a, a deal, a big deal, but I don't see them packaging, three or four of those guys for one, you know, I, I could see him and say, okay, there's one guy, main guy we'll do, and we'll do you know, a couple lesser guys, you know, and, and maybe a Schmidt or somebody like that, they throw into the equation. But, but I think that's how they, you know, that's how they operate. They've been pretty disciplined over the years of not trading a wholesale number of, of their prospects. They'll trade prospects, obviously, because they're in this window, but they've been pretty uh, guarded about, you know, making that, that, that big, trade of multiple prospects. And I think because of that, they have a strength in their system now. Final one, Jimmy. The Matt Carpenter renaissance has been so fun to watch, man. He's got the stash. He's got the eye black. It's like <laughs> yeah, shades yeah. of Don Mattingly in the mid-1980s with the way he's swinging the bat. And you want to find creative ways to get him in the lineup because, listen, he's hitting, he's performing, he's playing his ass off. But you saw him in the outfield the other day against the Reds. He's not an outfielder. Would you feel good enough if you're cash to say, look, I'm not going to get an outfielder. I'm going to start Carpenter's games and I'm going to have a defensive caddy for him. Or do you say, mm, I can't do that. I got to get an outfielder. Gallo can't be on this team. I got to be aggressive. Like, would you look at Carpenter's renaissance and say, this lessens the need for an outfield bat or not necessarily? Uh, not necessarily, but but I, I don't think that it is... Um, I, I do think what we're seeing is is sustainable for the rest of the year, you know. So so you know they're in a, a position that you love to be in, where where you can um, you know be choosy on the type of guy that you go after. And you know if you go out and get a you know a left-handed bat, you know, like okay, take Soto out of it, but uh, you know like a Peterson as, as we've talked about, or there's not a ton of bats out there, or a Mirrorfield. Where he could come at Merrifield, I think is actually a really good fit because he can play outfield. He plays everywhere, man. He's a winning player. Winning player. And I think you'd see that on a winning team, too. Yeah, and he's already said he'd get vaccinated on a winning team. So so you don't have to worry about that either. And I wonder if Ben Attendee would be in the same boat, to be honest with you. I know he said right now, you know, he's not vaccinated, but I wouldn't be surprised, Jimmy D. He gets traded to the Yankees and and he jumps in line immediately. Just my guess. yeah, as bad as it sounded when they said that publicly, I do think that you do get that answer. Something to be separate out <laughs> there, there is, there is, exactly. So I think Ben Attendee would put in that, in that scenario, but you got to get the answer ahead of time. So I think those are all um, in play for the Yankees and still be able to use, you know, Carpenter in the way you want, uh, which, by the way, I think is a big reason why he's had this success is they've limited how much he's been exposed and, you know, he's, he's really, I mean, the more you look at him, you're like, well, hey, this, this is, this is real stuff. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to, to say he's good. He's, you know, he would play in the outfield because of the fact that 
one of their strengths has been their overall team defense. Like if you, I mean, you saw it too. Like their defense oh, it's plays day. like with Rizzo at first and whoever oh. at third. Donaldson, Olamay, they're picking it left and right. And catcher, right. you can't lose sight of that. The catcher spot having defense there makes it's it, it's so alarming, dude. It's so like it's crazy <laughs> to think about what they had last year and what they're getting this year out of that position. And so, and because of that, like you said. You know, shortstop position, how good that's been defensively, and Torres over second. Like, so, so they've gotten there in a lot of different ways, but the defense, which we don't spend as a lot of time on, they've gotten there because of that too. So I'm hesitant to, like, let's not get, um, you know, take them away from big, big, big strengths. But I do think there's a spot where, okay, to get Carpenter another game or two, maybe you decide to put him out there. And then, like you said, all right, take him out for defensive reasons. But it's hard for me to find Gallo, uh, you know, being on this club. Long term, oh, he certainly. can't get the at bats, Jimmy. In the I mean, second he half, just, he can't. He can't either, right, man. And in the postseason, he can't. here's the thing: in the postseason, he's not going to get at bats at all. Like I know the Yankee fans are are worried about him. Whatever, he's not going to. You know, this. he's not playing in the postseason unless it's a defensive replacement. He's just, it's just not going to happen. So I think at the end of the day, that's where his role, if he's still with them, he ends up being, you know, a defensive replacement, or he doesn't even make the roster. So I wouldn't worry too much. Yankees are, have seen plenty of him, and they know what he's doing. Jimmy Duquette, you see him all the time on SNY, MLB Network Radio. Buddy, I, I feel like we should be able to do television in these drive fit T-shirts. I just feel so comfortable right now. You I know? mean, I think this is the way to go. I'm literally going to go for a run right after this. So I'm, oh, you, I you're a, doing a run? I'm going on the Peloton. It's too hot in New York for a run. It's good go. for you. You're a bolder <laughs> man than me. <laughs> Got my running shoes on. I'm going, brother. All right, talk to you later. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. That's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. Great stuff there from Jimmy Duquette. A lot of names to monitor between now and August 2nd. I mean, that's going to screw me up for forever. The idea of July 31st, August 2nd, messing the trade deadline up on me. I don't like that. But listen to this nugget before we hit voicemails. Yankees at 151 against the Astros this season. That is ugly. 151. The second worst batting average for any team versus another team in a single season series, minimum of seven games. The only one that is worse, the Giants, bat a buck 47 against the Cubs in 2016. I want Castillo. I think Castillo changes the look and feel of the Yankee rotation dramatically, but the Yankees are going to beat the Houston Astros. I don't think pitching is going to tell the story. The Yankees got a hit, and... They did not hit in the four games at Yankee Stadium for the most part, and they did absolutely nothing in the three games at Minute Maid Park, and that's why they went two and five against the Astros. Yankees got a hit in that series. The Astro pitching is really good. We know that. But the Yankees can't be hitting 150 and think they're going to advance to the World Series. 
All right, voicemail time. 917-382-1151. That's where we make magic. We'll have a pod, of course, coming out on Sunday. Jeter pod later on tonight, early morning, depending on when you listen. Let's hear him, Steph. JJ, you know, it's Anthony Syosset. Um, I've said this before on the pod, on the voicemails. So it's not that you're overreacting to, you know, two early losses in the second half of the season. To, or to start the second half of the season. But I said that even after a start, the way the Yankees started, what mattered more than anything in the second half is to get the home field from the Astros. And right off the bat, you give them two games. Like, right off the bat. You know, so it's not just that you're losing to the Astros and, and it kind of tweaks the Yankee fan the way it would if we lost to the Met or the Red Sox. But it, it's important games because, my brother, we know this, dude. You want any sort of shot in October that extra fourth game in the LCS, if you get to it, by the way, and that's for a voicemail for another day, because the trade deadline is going to be a, a, a zoo. It's not only us and the Dodgers and even the Astros who need teams. Any of these wild card teams can get into play too. But even if you get to that LCS, if you don't have that extra game at home, you're done. And, you know, for, for the for the group text that we're going around saying, oh, well, you know, the bullpen is shot, maybe they'll win game two. I'll be honest with you, dude. I see Maldonado behind the plate. You know how I feel about that guy. He's the MVP of the Astros. He silences the Yankee bats like no, like none other. So not a good way to start the second half. Um, again, you don't want to go crazy, but I'm telling you right now, th- th- there's there's two things that matter the rest of the way. Who gets who with the trade deadline? Get me Castillo, because if you don't get me Castillo, that means he's going somewhere else. And do you have the home field advantage against the Astros? If if they don't get Castillo and they don't have the home field, dude, I mean, other than a few, you know, cocktails and a cigar at the bodega, October's not going to bring us much else. And that, that that's just the way it is. And I hate to say it. I hate to kill, you know, a season where they played the way they played so far in one half of baseball. But unfortunately, that's all it is, my friend. It's one half of baseball. I'm going to go have a nice ice cold liquid death uh, and have a good night. I didn't know that Syosset was a liquid death kind of guy. You know, I tried that stuff for the first time a couple weeks ago out in Cutcho. It's pretty good. It's overpriced water, but it's pretty damn good. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to have to load up on a little liquid death. But anyway, you're hitting on something that's important. A lot of times we talk about home field advantage, and it doesn't mean a whole lot. With the Yankees and the Astros, it means a whole lot. We're not beating around the bush. I'm not trying to be dramatic. This is real talk. The Yankees' chances of getting to the World Series are enhanced dramatically if they have home field advantage. From what you've seen out of the Yankees this year, 2019, and 2017, are you going to be confident going to Houston, having to win elimination games in that building? I'm not, not the least. You don't want that. The Astros are going to be tough enough. Their lineup is terrific. Their pitching is terrific. Their bullpen is better than it's been. Although the bullpen, to me, still has some question marks at Yankee Stadium. Presley, question marks. Montero's their best reliever. Rafael Montero, the former Met, the high prospect who got more love than Jacob DeGrom, for goodness sakes, and made his debut against the Yankees. Stiff as a starter, he's a light sound of bullpen. The Yankees can't touch that damn guy. They got it going on. 
They're going to be a really tough team to beat. Don't flush games away. Like, I get it. It's 34 games over 500. They still have an insane lead in the division. They're 12 games up on the race. It's comfortable. Super, super comfortable. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Home field matters, though. And don't tell me otherwise. Who's next? What's up, JJ? It's Kyle from Scadaway. Um, uh, I just have a comment about Stan, man. I, you know, seeing him win that uh, All-Star Game MVP and hit that bomb of a home run, couldn't be more happy for this guy, man. And and he took a lot of heat, you know, um, his first couple seasons here uh, here with us. And he's been, I mean, he's been the perfect soldier, man. He, he, he said everything right. He's you know, done everything right um, to the best of his health. And really for the last, you know, two or three seasons, he's been an all-star player. And this is the first all-star team he's made as the Yankees. But if you look at the numbers, um, the you know, which season illusion, but he ended up hitting, about, you know, I think like 37, 36 home runs. And I just, you know, this guy, I think, you know, he's a, at first, and I'll be the first to say, I was not for the move, and it's easy to, you know, for someone to say that, especially early on career, but I was not for the move. I, I thought he, you know, him and Judge were redundant, but I think they got something going here with him. Um, and he's, honestly, I can say he's been a good Yankee. He's hitting the playoffs. He's, you know, he said everything right. He hasn't, you know, been like, you know, like a guy like A-Rod or, you know, someone like that that said, you know, some, uh, you know, weird stuff to the press, but, you know, he's he's been good. And I, I think some Yankee fans, they have to acknowledge that as well. Later, buddy. It's an excellent, excellent phone call. Giancarlo Stanton has done such a good job of changing his narrative in New York. And I was fine with the move because they gave up nothing. But like many of you, I was very frustrated the first couple of years of Stanton's career. 2018, fun regular season, didn't hit in the playoffs, stunk against the Red Sox. 2019 was a lost year, missed the entire year, basically. Got hurt in the postseason, couldn't play the outfield. When did, start, when did Stanton start to win me over? The 2020 postseason. Goes without saying. Carried the team. Carried the team. They didn't go far. They lost in the division series. But that Cleveland best of three and then the best of five, he was out of his mind. Last year, the Yankees don't make the playoffs without him. And Stanton really won me over playing the outfield, allowing the Yankees to do other things, being more of a complete player, and, oh, by the way, dominating the Boston Red Sox. I mean, the Yankees do not make a one-game playoff if it wasn't for Stanton's heroics, not just in that Boston series, but throughout the entire month of August and September. He was tremendous. And this year, he's been, he's been solid. He plays every day. He's staying on the field. He's had a lot of big hits. Batting average a little lower than it should be, but now he's an all-star game MVP. I'm in on Stanton. I have no complaints with John Carlos Stanton. He's a player that's going to frustrate you because when he's going bad, he looks awful. But as a whole, he's had a fine Yankee career. But like many of these guys, 
Got to get to the top of the mountain. And that's something this group has not done. Last but not least, let's hear it. JJ, Charlie from Elmer is calling in. So, lousy way for the Yankees to start that second half of the season. Swept by the Astros in the doubleheader. And, I mean, now it's up to the point where it's not the Red Sox, it's not Tampa Bay. It's, the, it's this team. It's this Astros team. Now it's the Yankees. I mean, essentially, psychologically, I'm, I'm like, you know, what the hell's going to, what's going to happen with this team? Since when they face them in a the big time moment, that's come playoff time. They, that team's going to be there. And a couple of things that it's so, so like, like so nauseating to see is that the Yankees seven games against the Astros in total of 64 innings. They only have led two innings, two innings. And those two innings, the two judge walk-offs. And all seven games, the Yankees didn't score first. Didn't score first. So they essentially right behind the eight ball. Like, the Houston pitching is suffocating. And they have the right tactics against Yankee hitters. Going, like, you know, sliders away, fastballs away. Like, they know how to pitch. It's more, they're more, more impressive pitching-wise than actually hitting-wise. Like, and now at the point where, I mean, division is barring catastrophic. This team's winning the division. But I don't like this team going, if they, if they see in the playoffs, like, they play this brand of baseball against this team where it always you behind the eight ball. Like, I never seen this team, like, we, we all never seen the Yankees play from ahead, not playing their game. So, like, you've got to watch out. you got to watch out. And, yeah, second half underway. Hate to see it. Oh, I can't stand it. Fuck out Scooby and everything. Yeah. L- looking forward to your Jeter uh, Docs um, podcast with Jack Jacko. But, boy, but boy this is a lousy way to start. All right, man. See ya. Charlie, you're not wrong. And the fact that the Yankees were behind in every single one of these Astro games, that is not a script that's repeatable come playoff time. That's what I was hoping for. They asked me yesterday on TV, what is one thing you're looking for in this series? And I said, can the Yankees, can they jump out and get a lead? Can they go to Houston and score five, six, seven runs? I know they scored five in this game. Whoop they freaking do. They had three home, three runs on the judge homer when the game was over in the ninth inning. So uh, I'm not even counting those, for goodness sakes. They don't hit Astro pitching. And they don't hit Astro pitching when they play in that ballpark. Not a good way to start the second half. All right. We'll take a break. And then we'll hear from the money man, who hopefully can uh, get us on some winning ways going into the weekend. All right. Before we say goodbye, and by the way, Aaron Boone was excellent after the game. Basically made the point we made. Don't matter unless you beat them in the playoffs. That's the message for the Yankees. Got to beat them in the playoffs. All right, Jeff Money, let's make money. Let's go. What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be for tomorrow, Friday the 22nd. We got two Major League Baseball games. Now, I don't have the lines in them, but I'm sure they should be reasonable. First game, I'm going to roll. Got to keep rolling with the Seattle Mariners, 14 year old. They got a tough game against the Astros, so we're going to go with the Seattle Mariners. And game number, the second game I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the San Francisco Giants against the Dodgers. Okay, JJ, again, two plays. I'm going to go with the Mariners 
and I'm going to go with the Giants. Everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Money, let's go, baby. It's make or break time for San Francisco. They're 48 and 43. If they want to be a playoff team, they got to start winning some games. I like that bet with Logan Webb on the mound. And I got no problem riding with the Mariners. They're red hot. The Astros are coming off an emotional series. I'll play the Mariners with you, too. So let's make it two for two. Remember, we got a pod Sunday night after Yankees and Mets. Mets play the Sunday night game. Now I'll be able to look ahead to the Subway Series. And then we'll have episode two of the captain dropping on the New York feed. Great job by Stefan. JJ out. Enjoy the weekend, the festivities, and try to stay cool. Be good, everybody.